When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, this is going to be a lot more fun reaction show than the last four have been as the Seahawks pull off a stunner on Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, One of the best times I've had watching Seahawks football in a couple of years. I think you'll agree. Hopefully we'll get to some of your comments tonight as well. I will react to what we saw on the field today. What did I think of Drew Locke? How, what does this do for the Seahawks season moving forward? How do they address that position? Did other people win or lose jobs tonight? So much on the line and the Seahawks pull it out in the end in dramatic fashion. We'll recap it all coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome to the show, everybody. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel so you never miss a new episode. And if you listen on the audio side of things, do the same. And if you have the ability to, some apps allow you to, some don't, and you like the show, leave a review. That certainly helps. Uh, And if you really want to support the show and me, you can buy me a beer or a coffee. Link will be in the description. Let's do a Quentin Tarantino kind of a thing. We'll we'll start with the ending, and then we'll roll it back. This is what happened at the end of the game today. A couple of plays, not quite back-to-back, separated by a couple of plays in between. This is what Drew Locke pulled off. Down four with less than two minutes left and 92 yards to go tonight at Lumen Field. That's not it. Gotta love live. Here we go. <laughs> Lock airs it out. Metcalf downfield. He's got it. And out of bounds to stop the clock at the 29 between Brown and Bradbury. Lock. End zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Seattle. Smith and Jigba has put the Seahawks on top. Big moment for Jackson Smith and Jigba there with the uh, what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown with under 30 seconds to play from 29 yards out. The Seahawks end up closing it out on defense. Play that highlight in a moment. 20 to 17, they beat the Eagles to move to seven and sevens. So they snap a four-game losing streak. The Eagles drop to 10 and four. They've now lost three straight, right? Um, and it was it was one of those games that. And I know you know this if you follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Because the the in-game discussion was some of it was very typical. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're just kind of used to this. But it seems like this year more than ever, 
it was one of the the weirdest, most not sloppy. It was just a bizarre kind of a game where it felt like it it honestly it felt like one of those kinds of games where it was inevitable that the Eagles would pull away and win. But as the game went along, and certainly along the way, there were so many things as a Seahawk fan to be worried about, to be concerned about, to be critical of. Because I think we've just kind of been battered and bruised a little bit this year. We came into the season with high expectations. And more so than any Pete Carroll coach team that we've seen the last few years, we've seen a team not develop and get better as the season goes along. And, 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 and the same weaknesses that we point out week in and week out would rear their head every game. Teams would pick on them. And, and ultimately, that would end up being the difference in the game. But this one, this is one that I can't wait. Uh, I didn't go to the game tonight. I watched it at home. And I can't wait to watch the replay. Knowing what the result is. Because during the game, man, it just felt like, like, what are we doing here? Like, it's just a matter of time, right? You could tell that maybe Jalen Hurts wasn't quite his typical dynamic self, even though he rushed for 80 yards tonight. Coming into the game, you know, he was sick and they flew him out separately. He didn't get into Seattle till late last night. He didn't want to get anyone else sick. It was questionable up until game time. And then on the Seahawks side of things, there was the, the, the weird drama. And some of you may, by the time you've watched this, have already uh, gotten the inside information. There was something in, in Drew Locke's post-game press conference, a portion of which I'm going to play for you in a little bit, uh, on the TV side, on ESPN, where he talked about what a long story it was leading up to it. Because if you, if you were at the stadium or if you follow you know, the guys who cover the team, in particular, Bob Condota, friend of the show, who was tweeting out kind of a minute-by-minute minute update of what he was seeing from Geno Smith on the field, trying to come back after missing a week with that groin injury, and that it kind of looked like he had a chance to play. He was out there doing more physically, doing some agility work, running around throwing, and then he was active for the game, or, or I'm sorry, no, leading up until when the uh, actives, no, he was active for the game. That's right. In fact, I think all three quarterbacks were active for this one. Sean Mannion being signed to the practice squad this week and, and elevated yesterday or earlier today. And so there was all this mystery. And then to hear Drew Locke say it in the post-game press conference, um, he made it sound like as soon as he got to the stadium today, he knew he was going to play, that there was nothing that Gino could do to change the coach's mind. And so it was all this, this kind of charade leading up to the game. And it was a big storyline on the TV side uh, in the pregame broadcast. It was very, uh, a friend of mine said it was very college-like, you know, kind of Mike Leach, the way he would be coy about injuries and, and uh, try to use that to some sort of advantage. But ultimately, it was Drew Locke who started and played the entire way. And throughout the game, he wasn't bad. But he wasn't really doing anything dynamic. I think at halftime, he had less than 100 yards passing, although his efficiency numbers were good. 
The Seahawks were down a touchdown at halftime. Uh, the Eagles scored on their first drive, and it was a typical drive against Seahawks. It, you know, something we've seen far too often this year, where teams get him in third and long, and then just oftentimes would would convert those third and longs by completing passes over the middle. There were a number of third and shorts that the, the Eagles converted because of the, you know, their whatever you want to call it. The tush push, I suppose. Um, it just, I even tweeted out during the game that it, it feels like teams are so confident in, in how they can pick on our zone pass coverage on third and long and convert those, especially the teams with the weapons that the Eagles have and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard or Goddard and those guys that they mess around on first and second down sometimes because they know they can convert. And it kind of felt like that again, right? But then the Seahawks came out in the second half and they did something they haven't been able to do all season long. They established the run. They didn't just have a couple nice runs like we saw last week with Zach Charbonnet. They came out and made it a point to run the football. So total yards in the football game, Philadelphia 321, Seattle 297. Yards per play for the game, Seattle outpointed the Eagles in this one. Five yards per play to the Eagles 4.7. But in the second half, uh, first half Seahawks only nine for 26 running the football. Nine carries, 26 yards between most of that Kenneth Walker, I think Zach Charbonnet only had one carry in the first half. In the second half, 14 carries for 76 yards. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? They end up with just over 100 yards rushing for the game, but that's five and a half yards a carry in the second half. And it wasn't just, you know, there were a couple of Ken Walker moments where he did his jitterbug thing and he reversed field. But more than at any time this season, and maybe it's just, you know, Abraham Lucas being back for three weeks now. Anthony Bradford taking another step forward. I mean, he, he had some rookie moments, but we know he's the bigger, more physical guy uh, compared to Phil Haynes, who's on IR. Maybe it's those guys kind of learning to work with each other, or maybe it was something they tweaked in the scheme, but they ran between the tackles more, and they were physical. And it looked like, what we're used to seeing out of Pete Carroll coached Seahawk teams. And yeah, there were a couple of times, there was one drive in particular in the third quarter when the Seahawks got the ball back. I think it was after Julian Love's first interception. They get the ball back and they have a chance to go down and take the lead for the first time in the game. And they go run, run, pass on third and six. Three and out. And I think that was the moment in the game. There was a lot of it online, on social media, where a lot of us started to think, okay, we're just not, it's just not going to happen tonight, right? But to their credit, the defense really hung around. And, and my biggest frustration, and it's just something that I guess at some point, as long as Pete Carroll's in town and leading this organization, regardless of who's, calling defensive plays for them. 
that we're just going to see that against a team, especially one with a dangerous running quarterback. We saw very, very few extra rushers sent at Jalen Hurts. Very little blitzing. You know, had a lot of conversations with people during the game about, here we go again, vanilla defensive game plan. Only rushing four, dropping seven. Greg Bell pointed that out um, from the Tacoma News Tribune on his Twitter feed. But for all the criticism that we like to throw Carol's way for being, I guess, conservative is the right word. Well, here's an example of where, where it worked. That the team hung around against a really good opponent in a game they had to win. They can make the playoffs, and we'll talk about this a little bit at the end of the show. They can make the playoffs without winning tonight's game. But it changes the equation to have this one in their back pocket now. And then, you know, late in the game, just when you think, here we go, the Eagles are going to go down and they're going to make a statement. They're going to have one last drive and they're going to put this game away with six minutes left. And the Seahawks rise up and stop them and get the ball back on their own eight-yard line, mind you, with a minute and 58 seconds left. I think just under two minutes. And you're thinking, here we go. And, and for most of the second half, I'm having lots of conversations on Twitter with some of you about the quarterback position. And, and I would say that the consensus among the fan base was something along the lines of, well, who's taking bets on how long it takes Locke to throw an interception to finish out this game? There's a lot of that. And what does he do? The Seahawks go 10 plays, 92 yards in 20, in a minute and 28, all 10 passes, five completions from Locke. You heard the highlight. He hits the big one on third and 10 to DK Metcalf. Another huge catch from DK where he goes up and bodies the ball and protects it with his frame. Sandwiched around a couple of drops by Tyler Lockett. I think this is something we're going to talk about on an upcoming show because it seems to be happening a lot the last couple of weeks. It's become a storyline. And one ball that gets tipped a little bit just at the end. And then it's third and 10 again from the 29, and he hits Jackson Smith and Jigba for the game winner. Just a beautifully thrown ball. Just got one-on-one -on -one coverage. No safety help. Nothing special about the route. Drew said after the game, hey, you know, the way this play was, was designed, I told JSN, if you have single coverage, I'm throwing you the pill, is what he said. And he throws an absolutely beautiful ball. And we see JSN reach out in a, a significant rain, a hard rain, and catch the ball over his outside shoulder, contort his body, get his body in. Absolutely beautiful catch from JSN, who, you know, we we continue to see the development of him and the growth of him in this offense. 
and the Seahawks go up by three with about 25 seconds left. Hertz gets a long uh, first down on a scramble, completes another short pass. And then, then he tries to go, he tries to get a little greedy, just as the just as the announcers, just as that Monday night crew, just as Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are talking about how, how uh Jake Elliott is one of the best, most reliable kickers in the NFL. And they only have about 23 yards to go before they're in his range. And I'm thinking, geez, Philadelphia has two timeouts. We're gonna, we're gonna this is gonna be a heartbreaking loss at home on national TV. Jalen Hurts gets a little greedy, and this is what happens. They're going for it all with A.J. Brown. Catch is made by Seattle for the interception. Julian Love again. Now, there's there's a lot to talk about on that play. We're going to get back to the quarterback position, but there's a lot to talk about in regards to the secondary tonight. Pete talked on his coach's show Monday about how we were going to see some changes. And he was outwardly frustrated with the blown coverages. Really called some guys out. Jamal Adams on the Debo Samuel play and Tariq Woolen on, I think, the Kittle play. Lots of explosive plays against the 49ers last week. It was a difference in the game. And he promised there would be some changes. Jamal Adams not active for the game. He was on the injury report with his knee this week. Carroll even came out a couple days ago and, and called him a great player and said they're just trying to take care of him. But that may have been a case of Pete Carroll just just trying to take care of one of his guys emotionally. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Because we've seen enough from Jamal Adams this week, this year, to know he's not a difference maker. He's not a guy that you can line up and rush the passer with over and over again because the defense as a whole isn't good enough to, to allow him that kind of freedom. And so then playing him in more of a traditional safety spot, especially a guy that's getting caught in coverage, and he's a liability. And so I think it was a convenient thing to cite the knee to not have him play this week. In his place, Julian Love was outstanding. He was everywhere. He had the two interceptions and the range he showed on that last ball that hurts through. We haven't seen that. We've seen it a couple times from Quandre Diggs. But is it a little bit too hyperbolic to say that that was slightly Earl Thomas-like in ranging over to make that play? And then the catch, to make that catch, diving out of bounds, falling over two other players and getting his feet in? Because who knows, if he doesn't come up with that catch, there's still, what were there, 12, 13 seconds left in the game. The Eagles have two timeouts. And again, very, very good kicker. Everyone's going to talk about Drew Locke in this game. But Julian Love was just as big. Now, on the other side, Reek Wollen did not start this game. 
Interestingly enough, he was announced with the starters that were coming out of the tunnel. Again, that might just be Carroll trying to take care of one of his young guys, Psyche. And near as I could tell, he played two series, one in each half. It was Mike Jackson on that side of the field. And Mike Jackson made some plays, man. I mean, he gets a lot of hate because of how he looked in the preseason. And gave up some plays. He doesn't really have a that dynamic athletic package that 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 pops. But he was solid last year. And he was a clear upgrade on that side of the field tonight. He's physical in the run game. He came up and hit some guys. And then on the other side, Trey Brown was in on some plays as well. He was in on that last interception, and I got a little nervous watching it live because there was some contact there, and I was a little worried that they might call something. Uh, but the Seahawks may have found something there in the secondary. Going up against one of the elite quarterbacks and wide receiver duos in the league. And they were able to hold them in check. They may have found something there. The other thing that I think needs to be talked about is Leonard Williams. Like if Julian Love wasn't the best defensive player on the field tonight, Leonard Williams 100% was. He is a difference maker. And an absolute priority for the Seahawks to re-sign this offseason. That'll be a subject we'll talk about a lot over the next couple months, certainly. Let's get back to the quarterback situation because it's been a big debate. You know, when Gina was struggling early this year, especially around the bye week and that Cincinnati game coming out of there, he had those three, four weeks in a row where he just seemed slow on the trigger. His processing seemed slow. He was missing wide open guys for touchdowns. And then it was starting to click ever since the second half of the Commanders game. And he really played well throughout the Rams game and was dynamite against the Cowboys. And then he gets hurt in practice in a freak accident. Unfortunate timing. But it gave us a chance to get an extended look at Drew Locke for the first time. For the most part, he played well against the Rams. He had the two interceptions. One was batted out of his hand. The other one was a ball he was trying to force that he shouldn't have. And that's kind of been the knock on him. Especially, I saw some stats tweeted out today by Mookie, um, by Mookie Alexander of the uh, of field goals. Of Locke's career stats, throwing the ball deep down the field, it's not good. For a guy with as good an arm as he has, it's not that good. And tonight he was just kind of hitting the easy stuff short. But, even before those last couple of those last couple of dimes that he threw on that last drive. I think he might spread the ball around a little bit better than Gino. We're seeing the tight ends more involved. I'd I'd have I'm gonna crunch the numbers a little bit the last two weeks, but I think we'll find that over the last two weeks the tight ends have been more involved than they were in the previous uh let's say four to six weeks with Gino. Uh, one of the happiest guys on the sideline after the winning play was Geno Smith. Thought he showed a lot of support for his teammate. And then Lisa Salters caught up with Drew Locke after the game and interviewed him. And, and, and I want you to hear this. I edited this a little bit just to kind of some of the key moments. And, and I can only show or I can only play the audio. I can't play the video. It would be a copyright infringement, right? Unfortunately. But if you have a chance... Uh, go back and watch it. Guy has 
His eyes are red and swollen. He's tearing up. Um, I thought this, well, I'll tell you what I think afterwards. This is Lisa Salter's interviewing Drew Locke on the field um, right after engineering the winning drive. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice, but amazing also doesn't do justice with the O-line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long, the tight ends, man. It takes a special group to rally around a guy that, you know, has come into his second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. For a team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around me tonight, man, that was, that was amazing. I see some, I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. Again, Drew, we can see the emotion on your face. We can hear it in your voice. Can you, can you just describe what you're feeling in your heart right now? Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard to describe the feeling of, you know, not playing for so long, or at least what feels like a really long time to me. And then you sit there, you watch games, you wonder, can I do this still? I haven't been out there on the field. That's the human nature of it. You get back out there last week, I'm like, you know what? I'm the man still. I can go do this. And then you got another test this week where I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Sure enough, ended up playing. We're playing the Eagles tonight. And the, the boys around me rallied tonight. And it just, gosh, it feels so good. It feels so good. I'm so proud of everybody tonight. I think... Well, not I think, I know. We forget sometimes, or we take for granted, or we just don't care, that these, <laughs> these guys are human beings and this stuff's really important to them, right? Like, I don't know about you and I don't know what y'all do. And I have a career, I have a job that, that some people might think is kind of meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But I take it very, very seriously when I, when I mess up, it kind of wrecks me for a while. When I do well, I feel good about it. Like it's part of who I am. And now you take that, you multiply it by a million with these guys. Cause they're doing it in front of tens of thousands in front of millions of eyeballs on television. They're judged by every single move that they make from people who have never done what they do. I got into it with somebody yesterday who was jumping in and criticizing Dan Orlovsky to his face or directly. Basically saying he's a, he was a bad quarterback and so he, he's not qualified to be an analyst. And this was someone who isn't qualified to be an analyst saying these things. We sit behind our computers and our phones and we just say whatever the hell we want to say because it soothes us emotionally. And so I've heard a lot of Drew Locke sucks. Drew Locke's a bum. I mean, he's out there playing a, a really, really physical sport, risking severe injury, doing it for your entertainment. These guys have a lot of pride in what they do. Some don't, <laughs> some don't give a crap. There have been guys along the way that I 
that I've been critical of because I didn't feel like they did care. I'm not going to name them today. Drew Locke seems to be a guy that cares a great deal and has a lot of passion for what he does and a lot of pride. There were a lot of expectations. He was a guy that his second year at Missouri, he was being talked about as a surefire first-round pick. And then he fell, and he ends up going in the second round. But he goes to an organization that needs a quarterback, and he's viewed, and, and he, he carries all the weight and the pressure of the franchise guy, and it doesn't go well. And he has to hear all that garbage. And then he comes here, and he's traded for a potential future Hall of Famer. And then he gets beat out by a career backup. And, and he finally gets a chance. He still can't shake the reputation. And he still has to hear those things, even though he hasn't done anything in the last couple of years to deserve it. So for him to have a moment like that tonight was cool. It was really, really cool. He's a likable guy. Everyone that I know that covers the team says that. He's fun to be around. His teammates really like him. The organization certainly did. It's why they wanted him back, even though they brought back Gino as well. So now what? You hear me say stuff like this all the time, right? Sample size, sample size, sample size. Just two games. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want to believe that if Geno Smith's healthy, he's the guy. Typically, Pete Carroll doesn't let guys lose their jobs because of injury. And I think that's the case here. I think it's more likely than not that Geno Smith starts next week in Tennessee. And we'll, we'll dig into this a little bit deeper later, but I just want to put this out there. The Seahawks structured Geno Smith's contract in such a way that they could get out of it pretty pain-free in the second year. I was just listening to some national, some national guys this week uh, talking about that. I can't remember who it was now. One of the NFL Network guys was, was saying he thought it was one of the best quarterback contracts handed out in recent memory because it was, you know, you get a guy that you like and that can, you think you can win with, but you don't mortgage the future for it and you give yourself an out. But they also brought back Drew Locke at a high dollar amount for what a backup costs these days. They could have gone a much cheaper route. We're seeing teams around the league do it now, right? Justin Herbert goes down Easton Stick as their backup. You know, Jake Browning's playing great in Cincinnati, but he nobody expected it. He wasn't being paid that way. He was a career practice squad guy. We're, we're seeing teams that have elite quarterbacks and are paying them elite quarterback money going really cheap on the backup quarterback front. Uh, the Seahawks gave Drew some pretty significant money. Convinced him to come here and be a backup rather than take an opportunity. I know he had talks with Tampa where Dave Canales went to potentially be a starter. So what if, that's all I'm saying, what if they see a potential future with Drew Locke and now they're about to play a team in Tennessee that's reeling? Coach may be on the hot seat. They just lost Will Levis, 
Ryan Tannehill is going to be the guy. He's a he's a solid. He's a long time NFL veteran who's capable of playing well, certainly. But Levis had given them a spark. And then the week after that, they travel to Pittsburgh, and they're down now. Not only is Kenny Pickett out, but Mitchell Trubisky has now been benched for Mason Rudolph, who some of you might not have even known is still in the league. And then they finished Arizona. I, I think it's going to be Geno. I really don't think there's much question about that. But I think just the fact that they might have to have those conversations in their offices this week at the VMAC uh, speaks to what Drew Locke has done and what he did tonight. What he did tonight was special. In that moment, Monday Night Football, all the pressure, the Seahawks season on the line in some ways, touch on that in a second, against our good opponent in the rain, like all that stuff. Uh, I thought it was outstanding. And it was, it was really a lot of fun. He outplayed Jalen Hurts on a national stage. Hurts 17 out of 31, 143 yards, two interceptions. He ran for another 82. Locked 22 out of 33 for the game. Just 208 yards, uh, but a rating of 94 uh, to Jalen Hurts, 40.1. Uh, so the Seahawks now at 7-7 seven and seven are in a four-way tie for the last two wildcard spots. Uh, the other three teams are the Vikings, Rams, and Saints. The Rams and Saints play this week, and that is a huge game for Seahawks fans to watch. You are definitely Saints fans this week because remember, the Rams beat us twice, have the tiebreaker. However, I have seen multiple uh, websites that that run these algorithms and run these formulas to figure out what playoff odds are for the rest of the year. And most of the, the information I've been able to find going into this game was if the Seahawks won tonight, they control their destiny for a playoff spot. That if they win out now to go 10 and 7, they will make the playoffs. We'll get more clarity on that, I'm sure over the next uh, 24 hours, if you haven't seen that information already before you tune in to this. Um, so now it's week by week, and now things, you know, presumably start to get a little, quote-unquote, easier. Titans, Steelers, Cardinals, three teams losing records. Three teams on the outside looking in, not going to make the playoffs, most likely. I think Pittsburgh still has an outside shot. Um, three teams that are struggling. You know, the Cardinals seem to have received a spark when Kyler Murray came back, but that seems to have faded. I don't think there's any guarantee even that Murray will be the guy in week uh, 18. And so it really does change the season. You know, even after the loss to the Rams heading into this stretch of four games, two against 49ers, Cowboys, Eagles. They lose convincingly, convincingly to the 49ers twice. Almost beat the Cowboys. They waited till the last of these four games to win one of them. But I think the idea most of us felt going into it was if you found a way to win one, you put yourself in position. Maybe they did it in the best way possible because you win the last one. And for the first time all year, it feels like they've kind of found some things. It feels like they found some things in their coverage and, it, and they found some things in the running game today. And I will say this, my last thought on the quarterback situation. I think if Gino really struggles over the next couple of weeks, maybe there's a shorter leash. 
Carroll doesn't like to make quarterback changes in game. But if Gino goes out and stinks it up for a half and against an opponent they think they should beat and there's playoffs on the line, maybe they do make the change. Maybe Drew gets a few more reps than normal in practice over the next couple of weeks. Certainly be something interesting to monitor. A uh, couple of comments here. Looks like the internet has held up pretty well today. Um, sound from the clip was not good. Apologize for that. Sounded good from my end. It may just be the, the patch from my mixer. Um, let's, let's wrap it up here. So we've got Tennessee coming up this week. I'll do a preview show later in the week. Uh, keep your eyes on the channel tomorrow or Wednesday. Recording a show tomorrow I'm really excited about. May not post it until Wednesday. Um, and a little side note for those of you, uh, Wednesday's the day, hopefully, that I'll get these internet issues at my home taken care of. Uh, Max Brown has agreed to come on the show. And for those of you who don't know, um, he is one of the most decorated and prolific high school quarterbacks ever to come out of the state of Washington, a two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, two-time state champion, threw for a ton of yards and touchdowns here, was the number one quarterback recruit in the nation coming out, went to USC, ended up transferring to Pittsburgh, um, has has embarked on a career as an analyst and uh, really does a great job on social media. And so um, I'm excited to pick his brain now. I think the timing is great because I want to get his thoughts on Geno Smith, Drew Locke, what he's seen from Locke the last couple of weeks his opinion of what he would do, how he would approach the quarterback situation um, moving forward, and also some of his early thoughts on this quarterback class as he keeps a close eye uh, on the college ranks. Jaden Daniels officially declared for the NFL draft now. Uh, so really the guy, the only guy that we're waiting to hear on is J.J. McCarthy, who um, is going to play in the college football playoff, maybe waiting to see how that goes before he announces his intentions, um, you know, how he plays could impact it. Certainly, he'd, I, I would think he would have heard by the draft committee um, from the NFL on where he's projected to go. But some people think he's a top 15, top 20 pick. And I know uh, that may surprise some of you, but uh, only because Michigan's offense is so archaic and old-fashioned and run-heavy. Um with Jim Harbaugh at the helm in Michigan. If McCarthy comes out, I think there's six first-round quarterbacks this year. Uh, even without him, I think there's legit five, and that's uh, pretty significant. And it's probably the best quarterback draft in the last four or five years and and certainly could impact. If you've watched my show over the last month, you know how I feel about that and how the Seahawks should approach that as well. So uh, anyway, Follow me on Seahawks Forever or at Seahawks Forever on Twitter as you always do. And give me your feedback there. Didn't get a lot of comments tonight. Um, it's been a long night, right? It's a Monday. Some of you have to get up and work tomorrow, so you may not be catching up with this until tomorrow. Uh, but what an emotional game. What a fun game. I'm going to watch the replay of it now. In fact, I might watch the replay of uh, the Manning cast and see what those boys had to say. Uh, throughout the game. That might be kind of fun. I know Mina Kimes was going to make an appearance in the second half too. Um, and as much as she tries to remain objective, we know her affinity for the Seahawks. So that'll be fun to watch. That's going to do it for me tonight. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel. As always, stick with me through these internet issues. They will get better soon. I'm putting a lot of effort into coordinating all of this so we can get it fixed. Um, as always, forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for watching.